is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I have some news for you in case you, in case it had escaped you. In case you've been living in a darkened hole with no access to national media or advertising or a calendar, that Christmas is round the corner. And we are currently in a season of what we call Advent, sort of getting ready for Christmas. Now, I think Anglicans are good at Advent, and we're not very good at Advent, actually. And they make a big deal, actually, of preparing for Christmas and looking forward to that celebration. And uh, sometimes we're not so good at that, it sort of creeps up on us and, oh, we're there, it's Christmas already. Well, Advent is a time of expectant waiting and preparation. So it's quite an active thing, isn't it? It's not just, oh, you happen to call these few weeks Advent, but rather, actually, the idea is it's something that is active, you're looking forward to something, you're indeed preparing for something. And so I wanted to preach a message this morning called Preparing for Christmas. And it's not going to be Graham's top tips on how to cook the turkey well. Nor is it going to be my uh, recipe for the perfect Christmas pudding, because quite frankly you should have made it by now anyway. Apparently. But rather I want to uh, help us to, I trust, prepare our hearts in anticipation for celebrating Christmas in a few weeks' time. And as we've said, uh, next Sunday is carol service, so a great opportunity to invite friends, neighbours, work colleagues, anybody you can find, uh, get them to next Sunday's guest service. It would be uh, ideal to bring people to. And uh, Christmas family service, uh, the, the week after, slightly chaotic, but it's going to be a lot of fun, I can promise you that. And we'll be celebrating Christmas together in those ways. So I'm trusting this morning will be a lead into that and help us to prepare for it. Now, I've got a friend. Please know that, wouldn't you? I'm going to continue that so I can stop there. I have a friend, just one, but he says, and he's a church leader as well, and referring to his email, of which he gets quite a lot, he says, happiness is an empty inbox. Maybe you could say the same. Uh, but that's, that's what he says. His happiness is an empty inbox. And actually, I, I'm quite similar to him in many ways. And uh, I would probably say the same as well. Because I, I like to clear things. I like to deal with stuff quickly. I don't like having things hanging around. I want to process it and move on to the next thing. Because invariably, the next thing comes in quite quickly as well. But after a couple of days off this week, midweek, for a family funeral... And uh, not staying on top of email in, in those two days. I found myself back in the office towards the end of the week that there was a whole load of messages and things that needed my attention. But also I had other things to do. It wasn't just these things that were demanding of my attention. I had other things that were on my list that were important that I needed to do that were there as well. So what should I do? Well, I've studied time management theory and practice. I know all about Stephen Covey's 
four quadrants that divide the important and the urgent. Maybe some of you have studied those sort of things as well. And so I know, I know all about how to prioritise things and all that sort of stuff. So I decided to do what was important and urgent, which is quadrant one, if you're interested, before moving on to quadrant two and find that most email was delegated, moved into and demoted into quadrant three. And it'll have to wait until tomorrow. So if you haven't had a reply from me yet, that is why. But most of you, I would guess, and particularly if you're in business, you'll be very familiar with that sort of management theory. Uh, you'll be used to prioritising things. But actually, whatever world you live in, you probably are used to prioritising things as well. I mean, if you've ever studied anything, be it at university or at school, you'll be used to prioritising largely what has to be handed in first. Normally, tomorrow. Or was that just me? Perhaps not. You know, you're, you're, get, you're used to th- working out what's important and what needs to be done first. But I wonder, what are you like in life? Never mind just in a work environment or in a, a study situation thinking, well, I've got to hand this essay in first, so I'd better do that one now. What are you like in life? Because it's easy to get distracted by the seemingly urgent and forget what's really important. Particularly when it comes to Christmas, all sorts of other people have got an agenda that they want you to follow. Particularly, if I may say so, most retailers who would like you to spend extra money with them over this Christmas season. So will you keep to what's really important this Christmas? I was reading some research this week that said last year we spent £594 million on, on what do you think? What do you reckon? Any guesses? Lego? No, not Lego. Anything else? What was that one? Stuffing. Close. I think that was £593 million. <laughs> Anything else? Cookery books? Yeah, I've been spending that much on cookery books. Not Christmas presents? Close. What was that one? Turkey? No. Christmas presents was the closest. It's unwanted Christmas presents. £594 million worth of unwanted Christmas gifts. At least one in ten of the gifts the average person received last year was not what they really wanted. And people were very quick to get rid of their unwanted gifts with 1.5 million new items for sale being listed on eBay on Boxing Day 2011. So what's really important as we prepare for Christmas, as we look forward to this great celebration in a few weeks' time? Let's read some scripture together, and then we'll, uh, we'll perhaps answer that, or try and answer that question in the time we have remaining. If you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read the first 20 verses together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Crinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we spend these few moments looking at this passage together I pray now that you would speak to us Lord in this season of Advent Lord in this season of uh, expectant waiting and preparation God we pray that you would speak to us this morning speak to our hearts please we ask it in Jesus name Amen Amen So as I was reading through this passage uh, in the week, uh, I felt God speak to me about this season of Advent and preparing and waiting and looking forward to, to something. And there are a few things that I felt I wanted to highlight out of this passage. I'm not going to preach through the whole thing. There's not time for us to do so this morning. But there were a few things that I felt God highlight to me that I feel will be helpful to us in this Advent time, this time of expectant waiting and preparation. And so the first thing then is in verse 10. If you've got a Bible open, you, you can follow with me. Verse 10 says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. My first point is this, if you're taking notes, it's this. Point one, remember that it's good news. Remember that it's good news. In the midst of manic preparations, the Christmas cards, the presents, the food, the relatives, etc., etc., remember this. It's good news. It's good news. Christmas speaks of good news. An angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Now, I don't want to, where's Ray? Is he in here this morning? Yeah, there I don't want to steal Ray's thunder because he's preaching next week. And Ray, if he's anything like me at these moments, he's probably sitting there thinking, I hope he doesn't say this because I want to say that next week. So if I steal anything you're saying, I, I apologise now. So I don't want to steal too much of next week's thunder. 
But listen, remember that it's good news. You see, this is not just a verse for people who are not yet Christians. This is not just a verse for people who are maybe just asking some questions, looking in, inquiring, wanting to find out more. This is a verse for all of us this morning. Christmas is a time for celebrating good news. And those of us who are Christians often fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, we hear a verse like that and thinking, oh yeah, that that means it's good news for people who don't know yet. And they're going to find out. And maybe you're just looking in this morning, maybe you're here with a friend, you're just thinking, I wonder what they they believe, I want to find out a little bit more. Well listen, for you it's good news. And it really is good news. But it's not just good news for you. It's good news for all of us. In 2011, 33% of the UK population attended a Christmas service of some sort. And in London, that figure rose to 42%. It's huge, isn't it? About a third of the population attends some sort of Christmas service. So listen, I think we should make the most of inviting people to next week's carol service particularly because people are up for going to church at Christmas and hearing something about this good news. Because it really is good news. But it's not just for those who are looking in, wanting to find out more. It's for all of us. Whether you're not yet a Christian, you're just trying to find out a little bit more about what it's all about. Or whether you've been a Christian for years and following Jesus faithfully for decades. Christmas is still a time for celebrating that good news. Our our newspapers, if I may say so, aren't great at highlighting good news stories. It seems that good news stories don't sell newspapers very well. It seems very often that it's only bad news stories that sell papers. There's a whole load of those around most of the time. Now, when was the last time a news bulletin started with a good news story? Well, actually, it was probably when they announced that the Duchess of Cambridge was pregnant. Now, it wasn't all good because she was suffering with acute morning sickness in the hospital. But it was still a pretty good news story, wasn't it? But that's unusual. Most news stories are not good news. But that was, uh, and is largely, a good news story. The birth of a baby is good news. People get excited about it, don't they? Simon Jenkins in The Guardian uh, wrote this. I was reading this uh, online this week. He said, at four o'clock on Monday afternoon, every office, shop floor, canteen and playground was uplifted, or so the media told us. David Cameron emerged from Downing Street like like a mole scenting the dawn. It's a great line, isn't it? For his Tony Blair royal moment. You can probably guess the sort of political wing that Simon Jenkins sits on, can't he? Anyway, he, he goes on and says, um, he said he was absolutely delighted over and again. And Simon Jenkins says, I swear I saw the ghost of Alistair Campbell murmuring at his shoulder, the people's pregnancy. <laughs> but babies are good news, aren't they? Whether you call that the people's pregnancy or not, it seems the entire nation has been taken up on a good news story, which is great. We've got excited about the potential birth of a royal baby this week. 
But listen, the Bible's story of this baby is even more exciting. It's even better news than that. It speaks of a baby that will offer salvation to the world, that will change the course of human history. This baby, Jesus, certainly is good news. So I want to encourage us, firstly, this Christmas time, to remember, number one, it's good news. And secondly, to take time to treasure. Verse 19 in, uh, in Luke 2 says this, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I wonder, what are you like at treasuring? What are you like at pondering? I want to encourage all of us, me included, in this season which is often busy with lots going on, to take time this year to treasure. Now, I don't think our society is very good at contemplation. The sort of world that most of us live in most of the time seems to run at a tremendous rate. There's always things to do. There's always people to see. And there's always more that we're trying to cram into a day that there appears to be time allowed for. And it's that sort of environment that we find ourselves in, which means actually taking time out to treasure and to ponder and to contemplate. We can say, I'm just too busy to do that. But you know what? That's exactly the point. We're told that Mary treasured up these things, pondered them in her hearts. And, you know, I I admit I'm not great at that sometimes. There's always things to do and those things often get the better of me. So in order to take time to treasure, I have to be quite intentional about it. It doesn't work if I'm sitting down in front of my computer because there's a whole list of things that need doing there. It doesn't work if I'm sitting in the office because I know I I need to read that or answer that or, or do this. For me, I need to get out, get away from any distractions, Certainly turn the phone off and just be with God. And there are one or two places that I go to where I can do that well. And I know if I go to that place, actually it's a good place for me to go and do that. And being in that environment even helps me. But I've got to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't just be part of you know, everyday life. Oh, it's that time I'm time, taking time to treasure and ponder. My life doesn't work like that. I have to be intentional and be active about it. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. You might be very different to me. You might be the sort of person who says, Graham, I'm not like that. I can just take time to ponder and treasure and contemplate all day long. And if that's you, then God bless you. I'm thrilled that you can do that. But maybe you're a bit like me. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. Probably, you need to be intentional about it. So how are you going to take time to treasure this Christmas? What do you need to do? Maybe you even need to write it down, thinking over these next few weeks, this time of Advent, this time of preparation, looking forward to, how are you going to take some time out to treasure, to ponder these things that Mary was certainly pondering in her heart? In her heart. And I suggest it would do well for us to ponder them too. This time of Advent reminds us that God communicates with us. He's involved. He speaks. He interacts. He listens. 
Even more, he sent his son. And it's in these days we do well to take time out, to treasure, to ponder, to contemplate these things. And then finally, in verse 20, we read that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, sorry, had, had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Luke chapters 1 and 2 is full of worship. And so the third thing for us this morning in this time of Advent is not just to remember it's good news, not just to take time to treasure, but to worship. To worship. If you read through the first couple of chapters of Luke's Gospel, you see that there's a song by Mary in Luke 1, there's Zechariah's song later in Luke 1, there's the shepherds worshipping in, in Luke 2, there's Simeon worshipping in Luke 2 as well, there's Mary taking time out to ponder and to treasure these things. Actually, the first two chapters of Luke's Gospel are full of worship. Full of it. Actually, in these days, as we prepare for Christmas in a few weeks' time, we would do well to worship as well. I don't know what sort of Christmas cards you've bought this year, or maybe you've started to receive. But in 2011, a survey by the Daily Mail of 6,576 cards in major supermarkets in seven locations in England and Wales found only 36 that featured scenes such as Jesus in a manger or angels. Traditional nativity scenes appeared on less than 0.5% of all cards available. It's not very much, is it? Now, some cards, you think, actually, I wouldn't want to send that. Some cards, you think, yeah, I'd want to send that. So I'm not making a point for sending particularly traditional nativity cards. But I'm saying, actually, in this time of Christmas, let's take time to worship. Let's take time to remember what it's really all about. See, the danger with some of those cards, actually, is that we can fall into the trap of thinking we're worshipping a baby, just like the shepherds were. Whereas for us, we're not worshipping a baby now, we're worshipping a risen Lord. Maybe it would be more appropriate to send cards with an empty cross on at Christmas. People might get confused thinking we've got out last year's Easter cards by mistake. But actually, maybe that speaks more of the truth of Christmas, even than the traditional nativity and manger scene. So this Christmas, whether your preferred music is Hillsong or Handel, actually Christmas is a time to worship and to bring Jesus right at the very centre of it. You see, pretty much everyone worships at Christmas. Actually, that isn't the issue. The question this morning is what or who will you worship at Christmas? For many, as Kevin was saying earlier, Christmas is a pressurised season. The story he, he told would not be an unusual one at this time of year. The stats show that calls to the Samaritans go up over Christmas. Family times often uh, trigger memories of people who have passed away, no longer with us. According to a survey in July this year, 
46% of people were worried about the cost of Christmas. Alcohol consumption in Britain goes up by 40% in December. And another recent study showed that January the 8th is the busiest day of the year for divorce lawyers. The enforced intimacy of Christmas coupled with the start of a new year is thought to be the main trigger. Christmas for many is not an easy time. And maybe that's true for you. Maybe for one of those reasons, maybe for a different reason. Actually, Christmas is a difficult time for you, not perhaps your favourite time of year. And if that is you, then this morning I want to encourage you to firstly draw close to Jesus. Come to him. Yes, talk to somebody else, maybe your small group leader, ask them to pray with you, be encouraged by them. But also to know God's peace and to know his presence if it's a difficult season for you. To know his comfort, to receive the Spirit afresh. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being the comforter. And this Christmas, he wants to be your comforter, if that's you. But I want to encourage us this, this year to remember the good news, to take time to treasure, and to worship our risen Lord Jesus. Amen? Well, to help us to do that, we're going to celebrate communion together this morning. So perhaps if the band could come back up, please. I'm going to pray in a moment. I felt it would be good to do this because it forces us to take time to, to pause and to look to the Lord. And it's good to do that sort of thing over this Christmas season. We've got a bit of time, so we're going to do that as we uh, draw our meeting to a close. <coughs> so let's pray together as the band come back up. Lord Jesus, thank you that we worship you, a risen, glorified Lord, at Christmas time and indeed at every time. And Father, I want to pray, Lord God, this morning that this Christmas we would take time to treasure, that we would worship in the midst of busyness. And Lord, we would remember that it's good news. Thank you for the good news of Jesus. Thank you for the good news for every person who responds. And so, Father, we pray that we'll be reminded of these things this Christmas season. Help us, Lord, to, for them to be real in our hearts. That, Lord, you might be at the very centre of our Christmas celebrations. Lord, we thank you for times with family and friends. Thank you for uh, change in um, the pace of life, perhaps, a few days off, maybe. We thank you for all those things. Thank you for the opportunity to give gifts to one another. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for Jesus. And we pray that he might be at the very centre of all our celebrations this year. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.